Well, good morning, church family. We're so glad you decided to come into the house of the Lord. Would you stand to your feet as we get ready to worship the Lord? If you're new this morning to Shelby Christian, we're so glad that you chose to come here to worship the Lord. Check out our uh, lobby. I'm new wall back there before you leave today. All right, let's worship the Lord together.
Thank you. Be seated. Good morning. Um, so my name is Alexis. Um, this is my oldest sister, Miranda. Um, and this is our mom. Um, and so today we're going to be able to baptize her. Um, but before I do that, I want to tell y'all, um, we've been praying for her since we knew who we were praying to. Um, our grandma raised us and my mom struggled with addiction. Um, but she's been sober for three years. Um, and so now she's, um, she's able to be a part of our lives and, um, our kids, grandkids, she's working. Um, she's doing things we never thought she would do. Um, and I just remember when I got saved, I wrote her a letter when she lived in Arkansas. And I told her, I said, Mom, we grew up without you. I said, but we don't want to spend eternal without you. And so I just stopped talking to her about God. But I never stopped talking to God about her. Amen. And so okay. after all the prayers, we finally get to baptize her. All right, so we're going to baptize our mom. <laughs> All right, so mom will repeat after us. I, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the, the son, son of the living God, God, the son of the living God. And I accept, accept him, him. And I accept him as, as my, my personal Lord and Savior. Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. And with that profession, with profession of faith, faith, mama. With that profession no. of faith. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's okay. okay. Um, we baptize you now you. in the name of the, the Father, Father, the Son, and the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. For the gift of your sins. And the gift of eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Well, I'm Bobby Woods, discipleship pastor at Shelby Christian. Welcome. Uh, glad that you're all here this morning. Uh, last week during communion time, I talked about the elements, uh, the, the bread and the cup. You can find each one of those at each one of the communion stations all over the room. But this morning, I want to talk about a second part of communion. Not necessarily the elements, but the closeness that you share with Jesus Christ when you take communion. Reminds me of a story that I read this week. This uh, new preacher had just come to this country church and hadn't even been there a full week yet. And he gets a phone call from a lady in his church telling him that, well, my dad's close to death and I'd like you to come and, and pray with him and, and just spend some time with him. He said, sure. So he drove over to this man's house where his daughter was there. His daughter escorted him into the room and the man was in bed and there was a little chair sitting next to the bed and he went to sit down and he goes, I guess you're expecting me. And the man goes, no, I don't know who you are. And she goes, well, I'm the new pastor at, the, at your church and I understand that you're, you're not doing real well and that you need some prayer. And they began to talk back and forth and over time, the man shared with them, he said, I want to tell you about that little chair you're sitting in. He said, well, he said, I went to church for years and, and I always heard the pastors talking about prayer and, and I heard other people pray, but I just didn't get it. I just 
just didn't understand it. How, how can you just talk into the air and expect some kind of answer? He said, and then he was talking to a dear friend of him who told him, Jesus is there with you when you pray. He said, so what I want you to do is I want you to take an empty chair. I want you to put your chair in front of it. And I want you to imagine that Christ is in that chair. And he said, and that just revolutionized my prayer life. He said, when I imagined that Jesus was right there with me, I could spill all the things in my heart, all my fears, all my requests, all my thanksgiving. I could be in communion with him because he was right there. The preacher left with a new thought of Jesus and how he can be there. A couple of days later, he got a call from this young lady who said, well, my father passed away and pastor said, well, I'm so sorry to hear that. And she says, but there's a funny thing happened. I, I got up that morning and went to work and he wished, told me he loved me. And when I came home, he was on his knees and his head was in the chair. That is perfect communion. When you can lay all your burdens, all your fears, all your hopes, and you can lay it in the lap of Jesus. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate communion. Is that closeness of being able to lay all, all the things of our lives back to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, we just praise you this morning. You are such an awesome, awesome God. And Father, we just saw this woman just give her life to you. And oh, we all celebrate. As we know, the angels in heaven are celebrating now because one lost person came to know you. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon this place. That everyone who walked into this room would be overblown by the peace of your Spirit. Father, continue to bless and to anoint Stu and the worship team and anoint Pastor Dave as he comes and shares his message with us this morning. Father, I know there are no words that we can express that can ultimately say how our hearts love you. But Father, take our meager words, take our actions, and let them bring honor and glory to you. We ask in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.
back to the beginning Can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle Is the place where you promised to be Not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Will you need 
on a Sunday or a Thursday night and we come in and maybe it's how you came in today I'm not good enough I'm not enough and the reality is we're not none of us are none of us are but you need to hear those words not for a minute no matter where you've been no matter what you've done no matter who you've done it with not for a minute not for a second were you ever forsaken God loves you in those moments. And what you need to understand too is when we sing about, when it says, come Holy Spirit, you know where the Holy Spirit comes? The Holy Spirit comes right here. It comes right when you accept Jesus. It's like what we just watched. When you accept, Don now has something else living in her. The Lord is, that we hope that, and we know, we, we, we agree, the Lord is here. But don't leave it here because the Lord is here. And because the Lord is here, not for a minute, not for a moment, will you forsaken once you invite him into your life. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, or no matter what you still might do, that you've got Jesus living and the Holy Spirit's going to convict you when you're out of line. The Holy Spirit's going to bring you back in line and bring you to where you want to be, where he wants to be, so that you can say, I feel it again. And some of you are here today because that's your story. That's your story. There was a decision long, long time ago, and then things got sideways, and then you refound. You met him here again. Not for a moment will he forsake you. Come on. We need to remind ourselves of that. Not for a moment. Not for a moment are we forsaken. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. doing stuff you guys have it man he's here and he's doing so much stuff if this is your first time here i'm glad you were here today i'm glad you got to witness a new birth and what that looks like and and to be able to celebrate that with us because that celebration that took place in here is going on in heaven and we're excited about what God's doing because that was kind of the culmination. Just so you'll know, we had our monthly uh, pathways this past Tuesday night. Dawn was in there along with 22 other people uh, and a bunch of people said this is going to be home. We've got a bunch of new members now and Dawn solidified that with her accepting Christ through baptism and so that's, it was exciting. It's cool seeing what God's doing almost every week and on a regular basis at pathway so if you haven't ever hit the pathway scene come on check it out we got another one coming up and it'll be uh, in the e-news and stuff like that you can get signed up for that we're, we've been in this 
series now for about six weeks that we're calling better. How to win at home. How to win at home. And, and we, we said, we, we've said all along, we're calling it better because perfect's not out there. And, and, the, and the effort to be perfect will disappoint us and cause us to make bad choices. So just every day we want to get better. And it's so cool. It's so cool. I see, I see God getting better. Some of you guys are sending me texts about things where things are better. Not perfect, but they're better. I, I've, I've had couples texting me and going, you know, that date night thing, it forced us to talk about some stuff that we hadn't talked about, that we needed to talk about. And, and things aren't perfect, but they're better. They're better. I've had parents tell me, you know, the relationship we got with our kids, it's getting better. It's getting better. And things in our house and our marriage are getting better. And, and, and it was so good. I, every week I'm seeing, and, and I don't tell anybody's story because it's nobody's stories except my stories for me to tell. But every week I'm seeing people sitting in our services that when we started this series, I wasn't sure their marriage was going to last. And they're sitting here and they're worshiping and things are getting better. <clears throat> and I got to get a drink or I'll never get through this. Welcome to September in Kentucky. I know. But the first time I preached this sermon, it was still September. That was Thursday night. Come on, get with the program. <laughs> so this series better. Here's where we've been real quickly. What have we talked about? Remember the very first week? We talked about how no matter how messed up your life's be, God can put it back together. And we talked about this idea of kintsuki. Remember this? And how we took the molten gold and the Japanese uh, uh, perfected this, where they take molten gold and they take pottery and they can put it back together rather than just throwing it out. And we talked about no matter how, how bad our life's messed up, that God gave the most precious thing he had, his son, to put us back together. And then we talked about the second week, how important it was to have a strong foundation, a firm foundation. Man, did we get visual images of that this week or what? Uh, man, I praise God uh, that it wasn't worse than the loss of life. That's the thing I'm just amazed at. Man, I'm seeing the destruction that that hurricane has caused on multiple states. And while there was a loss of life, man, I can't imagine that it's as low as it is. Because that was crazy. And, and it may not be a hurricane. It may not be a tornado. It may not be a tidal wave that hits your life. But there are storms that are coming. There are storms that are coming to your life and Jesus said you better make sure that house is built on a firm foundation or when the storms come it'll get washed away just like houses built on the sand. And so we talked about just how important that was and then we spent a week or so talking about how we're different, men and women are different, God wired us different and we have different love languages and we need to know what those are not just for ourselves but for that person that we're trying to show love to and we need to understand that and, and then we went from that to talking about uh, how we we all have circles around us in life and then as parents we want to kind of we want to kind of help lead our kids into the right circles the right circle of relationship around them and then we even talked about it remember the picture of the boardroom and how like every every corporation has a boardroom and early in your kids lives when you are the control kind of the controller in that that you get a seat right next to them in the boardroom in their life and how you how you operate and how you function in that seat determines if you'll still have that seat when they're later in life and then when you're trying to transition from being the controller to the consultant and that you want to be in their life for the long term and we talked about time we talked about time and you remember all the pennies 58 dollars of pennies that i had to unroll 
and counting the jars and re-roll and put them, take them back to the bank because it was my $58. I didn't want $58 a penny. But, but Dennis finally jumped in and helped me do that. But that's a lot of pennies. But it was a great visual image, wasn't it? Man, man, how much time, how much time do we have? And then we got down to that one jar and it's just 17 pennies for 17 days. The number of days that on a national average right now, we as a church, any church has from the time a kid starts kindergarten to they graduate high school. If, if they follow the national trends, that they're in church 17 days. If you add it all up, 17 days out of their life, and that's all we've got. But mom and dad, whoever they're living with, grandparents, if they're raising them, that's where the bulk of it is. And so we're just trying to be partner agencies. But we did say we're trying to break the 1.8 barrier, right? We're trying to break the 1.8 barrier. And thank you, those of you, because several of you uh, have sent me just text and said, I'm not going to be a 1.8er anymore. Awesome, awesome. As long as you weren't saying you were going to be a 1.2er, all right? We're going up. We're not going down, all right? And we're going to, because that's an average. So like, if, if, if all uh, 11, 1,200 people that worship, if we all go to 4.0, we can at least raise the number a little bit. We might, on a national level, get it up to 1.81. But we're going to do our part. We're going to raise it up because we're going to get involved in that and make sure that we use the time we have. And then we talked about technology. And I don't know, some of you said you're doing it. I, here was the cool thing, just, you know, I, t- I told you I had taken some stuff off my phone already. Now it's all gone. I mean, unless you want to call or text me, I ain't going to hear from you if I've got my phone. If I'm in front of my computer, I might get it. I got all of them. And I looked at last after the first week of doing that. (laughs) Okay, I'm embarrassed, but here's the deal. My screen time went down 39% in one week. Just getting that stuff off there. Now, the things like if you're on there checking your stock portfolio, well, that's going to show up as screen time. It's also going to depress you greatly. Uh, so don't waste time doing that. And so, uh, but just, we talked about how much time we spend on technology instead of in relationship and how important it is to get into relationship. Jason's got a great message for you next week that's going to finish up this series. But today I want to talk to you about one thing, one thing, and that is the generational impact that we need to have. And and here's the best part. We just saw it. (laughs) We just saw it. Maybe maybe in a little bit of a reverse role, but we just saw it. And and, and when the girls are talking about baptizing their mom, but that mom is back in their life, and what else they say? And then the grandkids' lives. And and it's generational. It's generational. It's passing it. And and here's why that's so important. Here's why that's so important. The, the, The research is in. The research is showing on a national level right now that of young people that are raised in church that 59%, nearly three out of five, will disappear from the church either permanently or for an extended period of time after the age of 15. I don't know how that makes you feel. I kind of knew that in my heart, but when I was doing research and I found that, it like made me want to puke. It, it like scared stuff out of me. Because that's a high, high number. And now, when I was in the youth ministry, like, when Noah was on the ark, like, a long, long time ago, like, they were saying that would happen by the time they're 18 or 19, and now they're saying by 15. If you've got a middle schooler at home, do you realize how little time you have left to make that generational impact? 
to sow the right seed that's going to make the right difference, that's going to take things. And, that, and some of you guys, I get it. Some of you guys feel like because there's been things that have been passed on from generation to generation to generation that aren't always good, right? And, and our world has a term for that. And we talk about people that it's a generational curse. Well, I don't know if I believe it in that term or not, in that terminology or not. But I tell you this, you need to draw, if that's you, and if that's where you, you need to draw a line and say, and say it stops here. It stops here. We're going to make some changes. Josh McDowell, 20 years ago, who's a great theologian, great writer, cares a lot about kids. He wrote this. He said, we can't pass on our faith or protect our kids from culture unless we make a relational connection. Unless we're part of things. And so all this stuff early, like, it, it could kind of leave you like, I don't know, what am I going to do now? I don't know. What are you going to do? Well, I see we got three choices. We got three choices. We, we can choose to just throw in the towel. We can choose to just throw in the towel and quit. You know where that terminology comes from? It's like we talk about throwing in the towel. That's what if you watch a, a boxing match or rest, and, and, and the, the manager or the coach says, okay, he, we can't win, and they throw the towel in. Like, we quit, we quit. Now in this like new fighting crazy stuff, octagons and MMA and stuff, they talk about tapping out. Then when you know you're beat, you can just tap out. And see, the problem is right now in the world, when it comes to making a generational impact, there are too many of us that are tapping out and in the towel and we got to stop we but we can you can make that choice kim a couple years ago a few years ago when she was working in town she was working with helping families with kids and she went to a conference in louisville and they had this visual image that we, that we were talking about they, they they showed a picture of a school bus with a hundred kindergarten kids from jefferson county in front of the school bus now i don't 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 start doing the math i know we can't put a hundred kids on a school bus it was it was their visual image okay but they said if these hundred kids who are of the age to start kindergarten they they should start this year and then they took the the cardboard part where they had the picture of the kids and they folded it in half and they told the adults over there half of these kids are not ready to start kindergarten there's been nobody in their life to help get them ready to actually start kindergarten and then they took that cardboard thing and folded it in half again now we're down to 25%. And they said, this is how many will graduate when they're supposed to. Do you see the generational problem that is arising all around us? So what are we going to do? Throw in the towel and quit? So I can't do anything about that. Or we could just choose to keep doing what we're doing. We could just choose to not quit, but just, just keep doing what we're doing. You know the definition of insanity, right? To keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And a lot of people, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. We'll just keep, keep plugging along. Maybe eventually someday it'll work. No, it won't. No, it won't. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's why it's so important. We'll talk about this more in just a few moments. <coughs> what worked for your parents raising you there are some pieces of it that will work the foundational the ideology philosophy behind it might work but the methods will not period and if you are trying to raise your kids or your grandkids just like you were raised good luck 
Because our time has changed. Our culture has changed. And we talked about this last week. We don't change what we teach with culture, but we might change how we teach it and how we share it so that we are making an impact. So we can throw in the towel and quit. We can keep doing what we're doing, or we can make a conscious choice that we, as a community of changed lives, are going to be a generational church that makes a generational impact. And we're going to help each other do it. We're going to encourage each other along the way. And, and so what I want to give you this morning, I think there's three really important things that we need to do if we're going to do that. If we say, if we agree, I'm not throwing in the towel, I'm not quitting, I don't want to just keep doing what I'm doing, I want to make a generational impact. Then I think we need these three things. The first is we need to understand the value of consistency. We need to understand the value of consistency, of teaching less for more, focusing on the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing and being consistent in that and not just, you know, like throwing spitballs up against the wall of our kid's bedroom and hoping that some of the stuff we're trying to teach sticks, that we need to be consistent in that. A couple weeks ago, uh, our friend Matt Wilson from down in South Carolina has been up here and spoke. He and I did a national podcast where they were asking us questions about creating a church culture. And we were talking, both of us were talking about stability or consistency of, of, of being there, of staying the course, of, of staying and not jumping around and not going from church to just staying there. We're going to build a culture. And we talked about how uh, in our culture, we know here, like if you've been around long here, you figure out pretty quickly that around here, our philosophy is lost people matter to God. We're all about lost people. In fact, we're not, we're not that excited about church hoppers. Now, if you move from you move from out of town, you come here, great. Uh, if you stayed as long as you could at a different church and try to work out, great. But just bouncing around doesn't do us any good. That we want lost people matter to God, and that's who we're after. That's and, and I'd, I'd say every one of you that have been here a while, go, yep, yeah, I've heard that before, <laughs> heard that before, and it may be a more different terminology, you know, but we understand that it's a consistent theme to who we are. In order to have a generational impact, it's going to require consistency, not just in a global like church-like setting. It's going to require consistency at home. If you've been here for this series, some of you, and, and man, I appreciate so much getting the emails and the text and the stories and the testimonies. Keep sending us those. We, we enjoy hearing them because some of you are talking about the powerful moments that have happened, not in the worship service. The powerful moments that have happened in the car on the way home. The powerful moments that have happened on a date night. The powerful moments that happen around the kitchen table. The powerful moments that happen in a vehicle when you picked your kid up from school or your grandkids up from school. Those powerful moments, and you've talked about that. You've talked about the power of being, I've been, I've been reading my Bible more. I've been praying more. And here's the deal. If we want to make an impact, that can't be just a flash scene. That can't be just like a one-time shot-in-the-dark experience. It can't be a mountaintop experience. It's got to be great, but it's got to be the new normal. It's got to be the new normal. Because consistency pays off, but consistency takes hard work. Consistency takes hard work. A couple weeks ago on Friday night when I was sharing with the football team uh, at FCA that I do every week before, before the game, and we talked about Noah. And we talked about how the whole story of Noah is amazing. 
It's amazing. You know, because here's God. <clears throat> the world's in, in, in chaos and God knows it. And he speaks to Noah, and here was the mission. You know, kind of like mission impossible. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, all right, for Noah. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is I want you and the boys to get together. I want you and the boys to build this incredible ship, like, you know, and you can go just up the road here an hour or so and see a model of it, all right? <coughs> Excuse me. We want you to get together. I got to figure out which side to cover up when I call. Uh, because you're going to need to have this incredible ship that will protect you and your family and a bunch of my animals and stuff like that because it's going to it's going to rain so much that it's going to cover the earth now here's the amazing thing about that it had never rained hurricane ian hadn't come through Nobody knew. I mean, you go down like right now in the Gulf and you could probably convince somebody to build an ark right now. But God says to Noah, you and the boys get busy and build this. And we're not talking about a fishing boat. We're talking about a massive, massive boat. We're talking about building that without any tools or without any electric or power tools, without any cranes, without any. And how did they get those logs up there? And here's what the Bible tells us. That the whole time from the first discussion to the boats floating and landing and stuff, 120 years, but the actual building time of the boat is somewhere probably uh, most historians say between 55 and 75 years 55 and 75 years that's somewhere between 20,000 and 27,000 days all right of building a boat to float on water that's going to come from rain that has never ever fallen before you with me I mean, that's an incredible thing. Let's just take 20,000. 20,000 hours. 20,000 hours. I mean, say that with me. 20,000 hours. All right? That's here. Let's say with me. That's 20,000. No, I said hours. Thank you. I'm still in September. I got it right in September. And so you guys just screwed me all up and told me we're not September anymore. 20,000 days, all right? That's 20,000 days of cutting down trees. All right? And no, no chainsaws. You with me? 20,000 days. Say it again. 20,000 days. That's 20,000 days of planing those boards. Taking those trees and making boards. It, no automatic planer that you can set the adjustments and just run it through. 20,000 days. Say it again. 20,000 days. 20,000 days of hammering those boards together. What were they hammering the boards together with? I, I promise you they, they didn't have like, you know, you know, power hammer. They had nails. Guess where the nails came from? They made them wood pegs and had to drill the hole to put the peg through to hold it together 20,000 days 20,000 days say it one more time that's 20,000 days of putting pitch on the inside of the boat to make sure that it's watertight and that it won't sink that's 20,000 20,000 days is like 50 years of doing that now think about this if that's not consistent enough what do you think is going on outside the boat while these guys are building the boat what do you think everybody around them is doing while they're watching Noah and his three boys build a boat that's going to float on water? 
that's going to come from rain that has never, ever fallen. You, you think everybody's cheering them on? No, they're mocking them and they're ridiculing them. But you know what I would have loved to have seen? <laughs> I would have loved to have seen the look on their faces when that first drop of water hit them on the forehead. I would love to see the look on Noah and his boys' faces. What about the other people? Consistency. Even when the world tells you you're being foolish. Even when you set rules at home and when you make a commitment that valuing God in church is going to be important and you're going to set a new standard and you're going to do things differently, the world is not going to cheer you on. The world is going to tell you that you're being foolish until they get hit with a drop of rain on their head. You with me? And then they start calling and wanting help when the rain starts falling. And we'll do everything we can to help. And you'll do everything you can to help. But sometimes, sometimes the flood's already on the way, right? Flood, sometimes the flood's already started. So for us, it's about making a decision to be consistent. Look at this verse of Scripture. Look what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Look at it, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time we will reap a harvest. If we, what? Do not give up. Do not give up. Don't raise your hand, but as a parent, do you ever feel like giving up? As a grandparent, do you ever feel like giving up? All right. Sometimes as kids, we feel like giving up. And Paul said, don't, don't get tired of doing the right thing. Just keep doing the right thing. Don't give up. It will take consistency. We've got to move on. The second thing is we have to not only be consistent, but we have to engage our culture. Not embrace our culture because that becomes problematic, but we have to at least engage our culture and know what's going on and be involved in our culture. Now, here's the problem is sometimes we misquote Jesus. Like a lot of times I think people misquote Jesus. But, but a lot of times, you know, we hear people say, oh yeah, but the Bible says, or Jesus says, we are in this world, but not of this world. That's not what Jesus said. It was close. It was close. But what Jesus really said is in John chapter 17. It's when he's having a prayer. It's his final prayer for unity for all people. And he's praying to his father right before the end of his time here. And starting in verse 14, he says, I have given them your word. Dad, I told them. I told them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because of that. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world though, but that you protect them from the evil one that's coming into the world. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. But they're engaged in the world. And sometimes being engaged in the world and trying to make a difference is hard and it's delicate because once, once something goes wrong, it, it never goes back to perfection. It goes back even in Kintsuki. You might make it stronger, but it looks different. Some of you probably saw or maybe watched with your kids the movie Dolphin Tale and then Dolphin Tale 2. And Dolphin Tale 2, it's really interesting because you learn in there that the biologist's mission is to rescue, rehab, and release. That was their mission. That was their purpose. But the longer, especially with dolphins, that they worked in this, but they found that it's true really of anybody, in the, any, any animal in the animal kingdom. 
that if animals haven't been trained to survive in the habitat that they are supposed to survive in, they can't be released. Dolphins that haven't been raised out in the ocean can't be released just back out into the ocean. They won't know how to survive because they haven't learned that. And so there have to be these sanctuaries or these places that take care of them. We have to, we have to train the following generations how to survive in the habitat that they are going to be living in. And we, we can't shelter them from the world, but we've got to teach them about the world. It's easy to sit around and talk about things that need to be done and how bad this group or this culture or this generation is. But we've got to do something. That throwing in the towel, it ain't going to work. Doing the same thing ain't going to work. We can't simply sit on the sidelines and watch and expect others to participate. (laughs) Some of you learned the hard way over the years. Some of you learned the hard way over the years that I just kind of have an inner foundational thing. If you come up to me after service and you've got a great idea for ministry, and you come up to me and say, hey, you know, somebody ought to, and then you tell me this great thing that somebody ought to do, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, that is fantastic. That's an awesome idea. Glad to meet you, somebody. Don't tell me what somebody else needs to do. Don't tell me somebody needs to go fix those teenagers. Don't tell me somebody needs to go and, and change things that are going on. No, go change it. Welcome to the world, somebody, and help us make a difference in people's lives. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We've got to lead out beyond just our home, beyond just our And I think probably some of you are kind of feeling that. You don't just want to help your family. You want to serve alongside. I don't know how many doors. I don't know how many doors have opened in my life in 35 years in Shelbyville because of coaching sports that didn't happen here. There's people sitting in this room that that I met them coaching sports or coaching with them and making a difference. And, And that may not be your thing. I get athletics and so coaching, but what is your thing? What is your thing? Is your thing cooking or is your thing dancing or is your thing reading or is like, what's your thing? that if you allowed God to put you in that place, he might put you in front of people, young people, whose eternity might be changed because you can teach them how to change the plugs on their car. Or you can teach them how to hit a curveball. Or you can teach them how to throw a block. Or you can teach them how to do a certain ballet move. See, that's engaging in culture. Because you sat down and read, read with them because they're behind on their reading. And you met them after school one day a week and helped them get caught up. What difference could you make in people's lives? We need difference makers here at church. We've got some unbelievable, unbelievable folks that have volunteered in our student ministry. That have been there and, and poured into people. Two of them just baptized their mom, by the way. All right? And they're pouring into people's lives. But we need more. You know, if they all show up tonight for student ministry, middle school and high school, you know, we'll have somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 or 400 students here. That's the size of one of our elementary schools, by the way. If they all show up. That's just middle and high school. 
We need folks that are willing to, to be difference makers in our children, in our student ministry. We, we need to, we got a lot of people in our community that, that, that just don't have spiritual parents. One of the reasons as an old guy that I still hang out with high school kids is some of them don't have dads or granddads in their life. And I just want to be there. And if God opens the door, I'll go through it. And some of you guys can do that and do it even better than I do it. And, and, and so I want you to think about that. Maybe you're, <clears throat> maybe you're thinking, Dave, I'm too old for that. I'm too old for that. I, I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. You might be. But you know what I know about a lot of people that are at that stage of life? Their checkbook's got a couple zeros in it. And it's on the back end, not on the front end. And maybe you don't have the time or the energy to invest in young people. Maybe your investment needs to be a check to make sure that when it's time to go to church camp, there's not a single kid that doesn't go to camp. I know right now they're getting ready and gearing up for a spring break trip to Guatemala. Do you know how much that spring break trip to Guatemala has changed lives? But it's, I don't know, it's twelve, fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars $1,800 a kid to go. And, and we got to help them raise that money. That's making a generational impact because now some of the kids that have gone and done that are in ministry. Some of them are missionaries because when they were there in that setting, God spoke to them in a special way. And their generation, their future, and their kids, and their kids, and their kids' generation was changed because of that. Here's what Paul said to the Roman church. Look at Romans chapter 12. It says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, uh, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it generously. If it is to show mercy, do that cheerfully. Whatever it is, find a way to engage the culture that we are a part of, that our kids are a part of, that our grandkids are a part of. Alright, so we are going to start off by being consistent. Then we're going to get engaged. And that engagement, that consistency, here's, here's the real deal. It requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. We've been talking about this a lot lately. And we said that sacrifice simply means we're gladly going to give up things for a future generation that we love even more than ours. We're going to make a difference. We're going to make a difference. John F. Kennedy said, a lot of us know it and can say this with me. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. A guy named Derek Prince said, the way up is down. Putting on servant shoes and servant boots. Guys, it's, it's all about the next generation. It's all about, man, I hope I'm around for a long time still. But here, hear me say this. Understand this. I am no longer interested or willing to try to build the church like the one that I grew up in. I love the church I grew up in. But the churches that I grew up in were in 1960 through about 75. And they are great people, and the theology is still the same, but the way they did it will not reach the next generation. I don't want to reach a former generation. I want to reach the next generation. You know who I'm really concerned about? Guess who I'm really concerned about? 
At, at current time, and who knows if even I'm really concerned about four little kids that call me Poppy. That's the generation I'm concerned about. And I'm concerned about their kids that I might not ever get to meet. But I want to make sure that when they get to the time and the place, that there is a place on the hill that they want to come and hear about Jesus. And that the way they hear about Jesus is going to speak to their heart and it's going to change them so that they will be able to sing someday, the Lord is in this place. That's what I'm concerned about. And I'll give just about every dime I got left to me to make that happen. I'll give every moment of ministry that I have left in me to make that happen. Because a bunch of us, a bunch of us, hey, if it ends today, guess what? I know where I'm going. Any of y'all? I know where I'm going. And since I know where I'm going, all I'm concerned about is taking other people with me. The things that, that I'm comfortable with, I'm willing to sacrifice for people that don't yet know Jesus. I, I want to spend the rest of my time building that kind of, building that kind of thing. And, I, and I, because it's, it's what the Bible models to us. I want people to know where they're going. Can you imagine the sacrifice that Joseph and especially Mary made? Come on. A young teenage girl getting pregnant in a culture where that wasn't accepted as a norm, where young teenage girls were killed, sometimes by their family, if they got pregnant. And she kept the baby and raised it in a culture that didn't look favorably on that. You imagine what they sacrificed. What do you think the apostles sacrificed? This crazy man's just walking down the beach doing things and saying things that just ticking off the authority of the time. And then he walked by them and said, come on, follow me. And they got up and went. What do you think they sacrificed? What do you think they gave up? What did Jesus give up when he left heaven to come to earth? And, and, and Mark ten forty five tells us, that the Son of Man came not to be served. If anybody ever walked this planet that should have been served, it was Jesus, right? But he came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life for a future generation of people that needed to know. That needed to be changed for all of eternity. Let me leave you with this. My friend Clayton who shared a lot of this stuff with me. My friend Clayton uh, described, defined and described six stages of ownership. Here's how he defined it. That if you want to move from just, just ground zero to really owning something, number one, you got to hear it. You got to hear it. All right? You, you gotta, I, I, I hear what you're saying. The second thing is you got to process. Okay, I heard it. Let, 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 me, let me think about it. I, I'm thinking about what you're saying. I'm processing it, all right? The third stage is understanding it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I've heard it, thought about it, processed it. I understand what you're saying. And the fourth stage is I agree with it. I think you're right. I think you're on to something. I agree with what you're saying. The fifth stage is where the rubber hits the road. I'll implement it. I'm willing to do what you're saying. I'm willing to do what you're saying. 
And then the sixth stage, wow. Not only will I do it, I'll start saying what you're saying so that other people can hear and start the cycle. See, we get to agreement. There's a lot of things we get to agreement on. You know, somebody come up to me and say, Dave, you need to lose weight. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, you know, and in my mind I'm thinking, yeah, and you're ugly. <laughs> I can get over my problem, try getting over yours. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I could even say, yeah, you know, I've thought about it, and you're right, I really do. And, and, and I understand, I understand my life would be better, I'd be healthier, I, yeah, I, I get it. I, I agree with what you're saying. But doggone it, then I got to go to the gym. I got to implement it. I got to implement it. See, what I want to know is, do we have any people in the room who are willing to implement and own what we've been talking about to make this a better place? Are we willing to make that move? Are Are there any men here who are willing to say, I will make a generational impact? I am a man of God. I'm a father, a grandfather, an uncle, a brother, a son, whatever. And I've been put into the lives of my family to make a generational impact. I'm in. I'm willing to implement. What about you ladies? Any ladies here who who know in your heart, I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother, I'm an aunt, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, whatever. And I've got gifts and abilities that have been placed inside of me for his purpose and his glory. And I'll share them to make a generational impact. Here's what we really need are some people that say, I know that there are people in our community that aren't as blessed as my family that has the biological roots. There are some people that don't have those strong family roots. So I'll step in and build a support system. I'll gladly give them my time, my talent, my resources so that others that don't have that in in a nuclear setting like that, I'll reach into that and I'll make a generational impact in their lives. I'll choose God over sleeping in. I'll choose my family over my device. I'll prioritize worship. I'll help that community of changed lives on the hill destroy that 1.8 barrier. And I'll get serious about that. I don't take my spouse for granted. I don't take my kids for granted. I'm going to invest in God's word. And I'm going to be a generational change agent. Anybody willing to make that commitment today? What if you took that, those stages of ownership and applied them to Jesus? Here's the deal. You're here. You get to mark off at least one off this list. You've heard it. You can, you can check the number one box. You've heard about this guy named Jesus who wants to come here and live. Now... Some of you have heard it for a long time and you've already processed it. Some of you today might be processing it right now going, man, I watched it. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Some, here's, the, here's where I get concerned. 
Some that are here right now have said, I understand that Jesus died for me. I get it. I, I've heard it. I've processed it. I understand that Jesus is who he said he is and that he died for me. I understand it. Some of you have even said, and I agree that my life will be better with Jesus. And you've stalled. You've gotten to that point and you've stalled. You've heard it, you've processed it, you've understood it, you've agreed with it, but you haven't taken that step that Don just took to implement it and to invite Jesus and the Holy Spirit to actually come and fill this place, not this place, because he's in this place. Because he's been changing lives. We know he's here because I've been looking around at changed lives. Are you going to invite him and implement it and let him change this place? It's those things we talked about a few weeks ago, those sliders. Some of you know him. You're pushing that slider. You're getting where you trust him and you're pushing that slider. You're even getting to where you rely on him and you push that slider. Will you push the commit slider fully engaged so that you can develop an intimate loving relationship with the one who died for you that you could own it that you could own it because here's the bottom line if you don't own it you can't sell it legally legally you can't in fact there are people sitting in this room right now that if you try to sell something that you don't own they will come and arrest you you can't sell something you don't own I would argue you can't even really give it away if you don't own it. How are you going to make a generational impact if you don't own it? If you don't own it. Would you guys stand with me? We sang it this last week, but it just fits so much with what we're talking about with the generational impact. We're going to go to the book of Numbers, chapter 6 where there's this blessing that God bestows upon his people and wants to bestow upon your family and on your children and on their children and their children. And while we sing, if you haven't accepted it or if you have accepted it and you haven't implemented it, Jason is going to be right back there at the decision room where the light's on and he will, and if you don't even understand what that means, just go back there anyway. He will explain it to you. He's very good at that. And we got other people, Bob, you can go back there. We've got other people that can go alongside and help. But let's move. Don't leave here today stalled out at stage number four. It's time to implement. It's time to engage. It's time to change the world. As you and keep you, make his face shine upon be gracious to you, Lord, turn face toward you, and give you peace. Lord, bless you, and keep you, make his face shine upon be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face toward you, and give you peace. 
Here comes the blessing. His favor be upon you and on your children and on their children and their children and their children. Generations about 30 years. We talk about a thousand generations. That's a long time to be blessed because of something you might do right now. And a thousand generations Your family, your children Their children, their children May His favor be upon you And a thousand generations And your family, your children Their children, their children May His presence go before you first time man stop out the omni wall we got a gift for you out there if you got middle school or high school kids do everything you can to get them back up here middle school tonight at five o'clock high school tonight at seven o'clock uh what's going on in the stew is incredible uh, we're having a special time tonight victoria who's been kind of an assistant youth pastor to us today's her last day she's getting married next friday so we're going to celebrate her tonight a little bit and all that's going on in there and so encourage them to be there for that I, and if you don't mind, some of you guys that are around, if you could give us just a couple minutes, help us put up the curtains before the next service, and then we'll be ready for Thursday night. Uh, we would appreciate that a lot. And until the next time you're here, let's love God, love people. Let's go change the world. See you guys.